everyone. Welcome back to Jesus and Pancakes. We are your hosts, Kaylin and Alyssa. Hope you guys had a great week. Um, we are currently discussing our favorite pancake style. And um, if we like what pancakes? Yeah, this is actually a very heated debate right now. Um, we are currently deciding between which is better, thin crepe-like pancakes or thick, warm, buttery, <laughs> delicious giant cake pancakes <laughs> um, obviously i'm a little biased that's a hard decision i know honestly but part of me thinks okay so you can make a pancake like very thin you know but honestly that's kind of like a crepe so why wouldn't you just order a crepe if you really want that right the crepe has to have nutella though it's the only way the crepe is going to be good that is true that's very true <laughs> maybe even a little powdered sugar strawberries you know, treat yourself. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm hungry. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, let us know which ones you guys like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's we know that there's a lot of opinions out there. Um, but we don't judge here. We just, you know, wanna hear what you guys think. Yep. <laughs> so today Alyssa is actually going to share her testimony. Mm-hmm. So Alyssa? <laughs> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I was born and raised in Orange County. I have a mom and a dad and a sister who is 11 months younger than me. And I was actually born as a baby with this thing called NEC, necrotizing enterocolitis. Basically, it's where you're born with a hole in your large intestine. And so my parents brought me home from the hospital and I started coughing up blood. But basically, yeah, so uh, my parents had this kid or this baby that's, you know, having all these weird symptoms. So um, I had surgery. I was in and out of the hospital for the first couple months. Um, And then, I don't know, I think um, at that time, see, there wasn't much research on it. Um, And now there's, thankfully, um, so many doctors that have taken the time to sort of analyze the brain and gut connection. Um, You know, that's why you'll hear people say, oh, I just have a gut feeling. Now there's research to support that so much of our thinking is actually done in our stomach, which sounds kind of weird. Um, But anyway, so at that time, no one knew sort of the long-term effects of what having this disease would be. Um, Right after that, I was a healthy, normal kid, and so my parents didn't really think anything of it. And honestly, I had forgotten that I'd even had all of that as a kid um, until I got into my 20s. Um, But anyways, so that was my start to life. Um, Aww. Yeah. That's a hard start. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It made me stronger. Um, yeah, so I grew up. I had, um, I'll explain my life in sort of two parts. So one half of it um, was just fun. So I, let's see, I was actually homeschooled between second and eighth grade. Um, and that was for a couple of reasons. One, my family, we had a house in Phoenix. Um, and it made it a lot easier to travel back and forth Two, my sister and I were always in sports, all kinds of sports. Um, and so again, it gave us flexibility with being able to sort of cram as much as we could into the week. Um, and three, my dad had a job where he traveled a lot every week and it actually worked out to where it was free for us to go with him. So my parents sort of had this approach of, look, this is a rare opportunity. We should just take advantage of Mm -hmm. it and utilize it. 
Um, and so we just traveled a bunch as kids, and it was awesome. Got to see so many cool places. Um, and I, I never really, I think, appreciated it until now. I think being able to look back and be like, wow, you know, like, what a unique experience. Um, and then, oh, and then also, too, I forgot to explain. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were Christians. Um, my mom was born and raised a Christian, and my dad found Christ probably in his 20s, I think. Um, but anyways, so they raised my sister and I in church. Um, and for me, I think immediately, like, kind of being born into the church, I just assumed that I was a Christian. Um, and then when I was five, I went to camp at Hume Lake. If you don't know what Hume Lake is, Google it and then go there. It's an incredible place. Um, but I was in their little day camp there. At the time, it was called Fox's Den. And that is where leaders basically told me, hey, look, just because your parents are Christian didn't necessarily, like, that doesn't make you a Christian. So um, this is actually something you get to decide for your own heart. And so I prayed the prayer and accepted Christ um, at an early age and just knew that I wanted to live for him, I guess. But obviously when you're that young, you don't really know mm -hmm. what that looks like or what that um, kind of requires. So anyways, that was one half of my life. Um, and then the other half of my life, I think from a very early age, I just noticed um, that there was a lot of chaos in my household, which was weird because, I mean, seemingly, I think from an outside point of view, you'd probably look at my family and say, oh, they're great, you know, like they all seem to get along and, and like each other and whatnot. But um, I think just underlying everything, I noticed from an early age that my mom just hated my dad. And, um, and had this disdain and anger towards him, um, at often a lot of the time. And then my dad just did not respect my mom. Um, and that was very blatant to me, just as, as a kid. It was one of the things that I picked up on. Um, and I later learned when I got older that there was infidelity somewhere in the relationship. Um, and that's one of those things that I choose not to know the details of that now. I don't think it would do me any good. Um, my parents are my parents, and I love them, and they are incredible people, and I have a great relationship with them now. Um, and I, I wouldn't want anyone else as my parents, you know? I think that that's just something that we've all kind of learned from. Um, but still, I think seeing that as a kid, not knowing how to process it, and also, too, kind of feeling trapped between everyone would tell me, like, oh, my gosh, you're so lucky to have the life that you do. Um, and, and for me, it was almost like this weird guilt of, yeah, you're right, I have all these incredible opportunities, and, and I should be happier. But at the same time, there's so much um, almost going on behind closed doors that I didn't know how to talk about it or process it. Um, and it just created a lot of anger. Um, just at an early age. But so anyways, um, I grew up, uh, when it came to high school, I decided that I wanted to go to public high school. So I did, loved it, um, did cross country and track. Um, it was awesome. Also too, got involved with a really good youth group by my house. And that's where I met Kaylin. Woo! Um, I know! <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I think looking back, that was so impactful because that youth group and the church, that was the first time where 
I had seen a godly marriage lived out. Um, prior to that, I think that honestly at 12, I had kind of sworn off marriage. Mm-hmm. I really did. Of, I was like, you know what? If a marriage just means being trapped in a relationship with someone that you don't necessarily like or get along with, um, count me out. You know, I was like, right. I'll, I'll do my own thing. Um, but no, I think just seeing that and, and, um, our youth pastor at the time, who is actually our current pastor now. He's awesome. Um, yeah, just, just a great, um, role model, role model, so much wisdom, um, and really just had a way of caring for, for the kids in the group. And that made a very lasting impression. Um, I think at, at a young age, Mm -hmm. um, or just being in high school or whatnot. Um, and so anyways, things were good, did the whole, you know, church camp, invite your friends to youth group type of thing. Um, but I would say for me, it was more of just an action. It was kind of all I knew and I was, I was getting there in my relationship with Christ, but definitely was not at the point where, you know, oh, I'm sold out. Jesus is my everything. Um, I was not there yet. And then, um, let's see. So my junior year of high school, um, there had sort of been, I think, just this tension building in me. Um, and halfway through that year, I sprained my ankle pole vaulting at a meet in Reno. And for whatever reason, that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, up until that point, I had literally been in sports 24-7. And even something being, just having a doctor tell you, you know, oh, you have to basically sit still for six weeks. To me, that was the end of the world. Yeah, no Which kidding. looking back now, I know, I was like, okay, that'd kind of be like a nice vacation. But um, but I think just then, because that was my identity, you know, right. just being an athlete, um, it broke me. And I, I vividly remember sitting in my room. Um, and also, too, I was just not in a good relationship with my parents. Um, There's just so much conflict and whatnot. And I think just everything kind of piled on. And I sat in my room and... I said out loud, I go, you know what, God, I've done this your way my whole life, and I still don't have what I want. I still don't feel like you've given me the things that um, that I desire or that you've kind of promised me in your word. Um, so I think I'm going to try my own things for a while. Yeah. And I knew at that point in time, it was crazy too, because I knew, and I think I even wrote it down, if someone would have asked me, hey, Alyssa, do you think your way of life is honestly going to work out? by not being with God, I would have told you no. I knew enough of God to understand that you just can't go anywhere successful without him. Like, he is everything. And I I knew that factually, but I was just so angry, and, and I just didn't care. And I think that's when we're kind of most dangerous, you know, is when we just mentally check out um, and whatnot. And so... I don't know, looking back, God just had so much grace on me in that moment, because from that point on, I, I did check out of everything, um, I didn't quit sports, I kind of, like, half did one year of cross country after that, but, um, I got a job, and from that point on, all I cared about was faking it to make it, um, and I just wanted to make money so that I could go to college and do whatever I want, and that's exactly what I did, um, and I ended up going to Grand Canyon University, GCU, out in Phoenix. Um, lopes up. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I lopes? cannot. <laughs> like antelope? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
That's great. One of a kind. Um, yeah. But so anyways, went there and looking back, I think, I think that school, it's so funny. It was, it was about 25 minutes from ASU and I saw that and I was like, sweet, I can go here and do whatever I want on the weekends, but I can still have my Jesus on the weekdays. And completely, I think my freshman year just fell into that, you know, half in, half out lifestyle where you're living one way Monday through Friday, and then on the weekends, it's like you're a different person. Um, But at that same time, I met some of the best people um, that I think I will ever meet, and and they were my roommates, and um, we still talk all the time, even to this day. Um, And so I could definitely see, you know, just what God was doing in that season. But at the time, um, everything was about me. What did I want to do? What did I feel like saying? Or I don't know, just whatever the case may be, it was just um, everything that had to do with me and nobody else. Um, And so at the end of my freshman year, it was, we had just gotten back. Um, It was right before finals and before we were moving out. So it was kind of our last hurrah. And I knew that God wanted to have a conversation with me. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you can just sense that mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, we need to sit down and talk. Um, so it was probably like 2.30 a.m. I sat on my bathroom floor and God basically came to me. And you know what? Regardless of whatever your view is on the Holy Spirit or how he speaks to you, um, this was just a way that God chose to speak to me and direct my life and um one of the things that's really important to Kaylin and I is just backing everything um, with biblical accuracy and making sure that it's biblically sound. So we always hold everything up and compare it with scripture. Um, But for me, this was just, I think, how the Holy Spirit chose to work and, you know, who are we to put him in a box Mm -hmm. in these moments? And so anyways, um, it felt like the Holy Spirit came to me and he was like, hey, look, I've let you have your year of fun. I've been very patient and have waited for you and now you have two options one you can continue down the road that you're on and this is what your life is going to look like and it was a very vivid picture of um of just destruction honestly um of even alcoholism that runs in my family um and I just saw that only chaos would happen if I just continued down the road that I was on And then, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of said, um, or you can come back to me and follow me. And this is what your life is going to look like. Um, And it was, it was beautiful. It was a life um, of just closeness with God. And I knew that that was right. And I knew that that was what I wanted. Um, But me being, still being 19 and being super angsty, I was like, okay, you know what? Fine, God, I, I want that life with you. I do. I know it in my gut. But the thing is that I still have so much anger towards you. Um, and frankly, I'm just not in the right place right now. So if you want me back with you, you do it. You do the work. And um, I don't know, it felt like God kind of like smiled or yeah, <laughs> like pat me on the back and was like, okay, I got you. <laughs> because, don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, because from that point on, he did. He worked that summer in ways I can't even explain even just going back to church and really meeting at this time and not sitting here hungover um 
even going to Hume Lake again as an adult, the people that I met there, the conversations that I had, everything sort of was just falling into place. And so sophomore year rolled around, um, and I was stoked. It's like when you come back from that um, camp high, you know, at, um, yeah, wherever you go to church camp, and um, my sister was going to be going to school with me this time, and other people, and um, it just looked like it was being set up to be the greatest year. Um, so I go back to school, you know, everything's good for a little while, and then in October, I started noticing that I just began feeling very down. Like, you know how you have your kind of ebbs and flows through the week, your highs and lows? Well, this time, it was just constant lows, and I couldn't snap myself out of it, um, and it progressively got worse over that year, over winter break, um, and... And yeah, and then all of a sudden, um, the Super Bowl the following year happened, um, and and I'll never forget this night. Um, so yeah, this is probably like what late January, early February, and um, I we had my friends and I we had gotten plugged into um, a good college group that was kind of at one of our local churches, um, and they were having a Super Super Bowl party. So I go there and I meet this woman, and she is everything that I feared I would have to face in life. She was 30, she was single, she had just moved to Phoenix, had no friends, no family, didn't know anyone, had no idea what life looked like for her. And even though she was happy and seemed content with where she was at, for me, I just remember looking at that and it was this crushing feeling of, I can't do this. If that's what my life is gonna turn into, if I'm gonna have to face that, or be in a situation similar to that, I I can't do it. And it was such a strong, um, I don't know, like mental block of of just feeling so hopeless and such deep despair. Um, even though, I mean, I look back at that now and I'm like, you know, there wasn't anything like incredibly bad about it or terrible. I think it was just the headspace that I was in. And that night I just, I broke down and I called my parents and, um, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, I don't want to be at the school and just started having all these dark thoughts. And that's the first night where I really began to think about suicide and what would it look like for me to take my life? What would be those steps? And honestly, you guys, from that point on through, uh, whatever the rest of that year, that school year, um, it's kind of a blur to me. I don't remember a whole lot of it. Um, I can remember the funny parts. I, I always had great friends who made me laugh. Um, and I can remember the really, really lows, but everything else in between, it was just uh, brutal, just a sea of pain, I guess. And, um, and I remember just wanting to come home so badly. Um, but yet, there was stuff going on in my parents' marriage at the time that I didn't know of. And um, there were basically reasons why I couldn't come home. But you know, I didn't really understand that at the time. It wasn't really explained. So I was kind of left thinking, you know, geez, my parents don't even want me at home. Um, but yeah, I know that I can't stay at this school anymore. And and that was, I think, looking back to in the midst of that, um, I think when you're in depression, it's easy to get confused between what is real and what is false. Um, but yet I knew that that was, there was this gut feeling from the Holy Spirit that I needed to be back in my hometown, that I wasn't supposed to stay in Phoenix anymore. Um, 
but on paper, none of it made sense. Like, I, it was actually going to be, this is crazy, it was actually going to be more expensive for me to move home and to do school online than to stay on campus and yeah. be there, um, just with the way scholarship worked out. Um, and, yeah, there were just so many things that people were like, why would you leave? Like, you have a great setup here. And it's true. Everything was seemingly perfect out there, but yet it wasn't, I knew it wasn't where I needed to be. And I think that was a very defining moment in my faith of basically going out on a limb of complete, you know, having to trust God, just of complete trust. Um, Because nothing made sense, but yet it was kind of like, hey, look, um, you can either sit there and listen to the opinion of men, or you can choose me and follow me. And man, it was scary, but um, I don't know. I think God really prompted me to just follow him um, and to lean into him. And so I ended up moving back home that summer. Um, I, I, I knew that I wanted to go to therapy. I had never been to therapy before, but I was like, okay, I've got to get help. So I basically told my parents that, you know, I'm going to go to a therapist and they're going to pay for it. Um, which I don't recommend doing. It's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> but yeah, I was just so over the situation. Um, and, and yeah, and so they did. And my therapist was awesome. She helped um, just really, I think my parents kind of see where I was at and that I needed help and that it wasn't healthy for me to go back to school at that point in time. So um, I sort of, I guess, I don't know, it felt like I started over my life, just um, I, I had kind of lost touch with a lot of people here and it was weird kind of coming back um, and being like, hey, I know we haven't talked in mm-hmm. four years, but anyways, um, so yeah, and, and looking back, I think just starting a new rhythm really kind of lifted me out of that situation. I don't have a clear, oh, this is how you get out of depression. I don't have that. Um, but I think sometimes that's just how God works in trials where he he just gently lifts you out over the course of time. Um, there's, It's not really cut and dry. Um, but I think just really kind of leaning into God. And I think, too, one of the most helpful things was just having um, people that would make me laugh and also staying busy. I think sometimes when you sit there and you just dwell on thoughts in your head, it only makes things worse. But um I got into this rhythm where I was always just doing something new, um, which obviously there's a balance to that, but it was super helpful. But so anyways, um, got better with that. The following year, I finally decided to get help for an eating disorder that I had actually had for four years. It started when I sprained my ankle. Um, And basically what happened was I started, I didn't realize it at the time, but I began binge eating. Um, If you guys don't know what binge eating is, basically it's where you go all out (laughs) eating everything in sight for three days and then you basically starve yourself um, for the following three days or however long it is. But it's this vicious cycle of, um, it's almost like, it's kind of biblical. It's like sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, except you never get the grace. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that uh, it was time to actually get help, but it's crazy because I really didn't know that I had a disorder that entire time. I think for me, I just kind of had this mindset of, oh, you know what? Like I used to be in great shape and a good athlete, but I just haven't found the right diet for me yet. But 
went on for four years. And so obviously if something is going on that long, there's another issue happening underneath it. Um, and one of the things that's been so fascinating to me, I think just about eating disorders, is just the question of why. How do you even get an eating disorder? And why, when there are such drastic situations in our world, meaning we we have here, we're here in America where there's you know, countless food. Like, you can go to the grocery store and buy anything. Well, not necessarily now. I guess in these times. <laughs> True. <laughs> but in the past, you know, anything you want, you can have. Um, and we have issues like obesity and things like that here. And then you look at, you know, Africa and you have starving kids. And for me, I always wondered, why is there such an attack on food in our culture and in our life? And then I was reading this book called Made to Crave. It's phenomenal. Um, maybe we'll talk about it on another episode. But in it, it brings up the point of, hey, look, what was the very thing that the enemy used to call, cause the downfall of humanity? An apple, right? Mm. A piece of food. True. And so I think that that speaks so much in just it really helped me understand, you know, why I was dealing with what I was, is that in a way, food is spiritual in the sense that it's how we nourish ourselves. Um, it's how we have energy to go out and spread the gospel. Um, and so, anyways, that was kind of a tangent, but I think that it was just super helpful being able to kind of um, get that under control and, and find a healthy balance to it to where food wasn't something that I had to fear. It was something that was actually able to be enjoyed in balance. Um, so anyways, all of that happened. Um, things are pretty good for the next couple of years. Um, and then, let's see, I think it was you know, 2016 where um, it was, I, I was in a season where there was kind of a lot of family stress happening. Um, and I was graduating college and... Um, in, just in this place where I think a lot of internal stress started happening um, without me realizing it. And you have to understand, I thrived off of being busy. I think that there was like a secret pride that I found in always being able to say, oh, sorry, I can't. I'm actually doing this. Or, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm always, you know, at this place and then I have to go here. It was almost like my identity was my accomplishments and what I was able to do throughout the day. And so I just really didn't rest. I didn't know how to rest. Um, and then the following year, I began having very weird symptoms. Um, basically, what happened is in February, I got in the smallest and tiniest and stupidest little car accident. Um, didn't think anything of it. After that, I began having memory loss. I stopped being able to understand um, people when they would speak. I stopped watching TV, listening to music. It, it started taking me about five minutes to read and understand a text message and began just having all of these bizarre symptoms, um, including losing sleep and whatnot. And, and at the time, I didn't really pick up on it because it happened over the course of months. Um, probably like four months. So it it wasn't until I could look back and be like, wait, my life is actually different now um, than what it was, and I don't have the same capabilities. Um, and so also, too, um, at that same point in time, I think what a lot of people face, I was going through the question of what do I do with my life after school? 
Um, there's so much pressure to kind of have it all together and to have everything in place. But me, I mean, I had my degree, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I think that was just kind of an added stressor. Um, and so what happened was in February of that year, um, kind of when I started began having these symptoms, God told me to quit my job. And for me, like the type A personality that was so irresponsible, immediately I was like, no, God wouldn't tell me to do that, right? Who just quits their job without having a backup plan? Um, and then in March again, God told me to quit my job. And I knew if God tells you something a second time, you better do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I did. I ended up quitting my job, having no idea why, freaked out, because how am I going to pay bills, right? I don't want to go into debt. Um, but all of a sudden, I found myself having days where I just had hours of free time. And it was the weirdest thing because God stopped letting things like TV shows or um, music or just even the books that I would read, the people that I would hang out with. He stopped letting that satisfy me to where all of a sudden I found myself reading my Bible for eight hours a day. That is not an exaggeration. And mind you, mind you, my my version or idea of reading at that time, um, even I was a youth leader at this point too. Even at that point in time, was I would wake up, do my little Jesus Calling devotional, which I'm not bagging on that. It's great. Um, I think it's an awesome tool that helps people connect with God. Um, but for me, I would do that. I would read, I don't know, maybe like a psalm or a <laughs> proverb. Right. Not even the whole chapter, just one. <laughs> Just one word. Yeah, just, just one word. <laughs> Call it a day. Um, and be like, okay, great. I got my time with God in. And then I'm out the door. And, I mean, I hadn't really, I claimed to be a Christian, but I hadn't really actually read the whole Bible through. And so, all of a sudden, I think God's word just came alive for me in that season. Um, and it was crazy because I was losing my identity in everything else that I had previously found it in, and yet I was finding it in those verses, in God's word, and it was just such a weird time of truly letting go of everything that I had held dear, even, even, I mean, we don't even think about it, but um, at that point in time, too, whenever I would meet people, you know, what's the first question you ask someone when you meet them? Oh, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right, like, if, if you already know their name. Right. <laughs> Just walk up to random people. No name. What Let's you- just get straight to the point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but um, but yeah, just being prompted with the question of, oh, so what do you do? Well, for me, I was in, it was almost like this panic of, what do I say? I'm not in school. I'm not working. I'm sitting at home. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, what am I doing? How do you answer that? Um, and it was just such a bizarre season. But so anyways. In the midst of God doing all this, I began getting these very weird and painful headaches at the back of my head. Again, couldn't figure out why. By this point, I'm going to all different doctors, having x-rays, MRIs, brain scans, meeting with neurologists. No one can figure out what's wrong. Um, And I think the most... I'll say this. There are far more painful things you can go through than life. Go, go through in life, mm-hmm. hands down, absolutely, than that. But I think one of the most frustrating things was just um, 
I don't know, I think with anything mental, whether it's depression or anxiety or bipolar or whatever the case may be, is that, you know, it's just this bizarre case of your brain battling your brain. And sometimes you don't know which thoughts to believe. You don't know what's true and what's false. Um, And so I think just that was one of probably the most frustrating things too. And also too, during that season, I felt like I couldn't really talk, which sounds super weird, but I was having so many cognitive issues just being able to understand people. Um, And I just felt dumb, you know, just asking them to repeat questions for the fifth time. Like, (laughs) who asked someone Mm -hmm. that? Um, But anyways, so yeah, just the season where I basically just stayed at my house um, because I was just in so much pain that I couldn't really get out of bed. And so finally, October rolls around and... It was, it was the last week, I remember that, and I had kind of been taking this one medicine that had helped with the symptoms a little, and it was actually starting to work, and it was the first bit of hope that I had had in a long time, and so it was a Monday, I remember that, um, and, and I was playing catch with my dad outside, and all of a sudden, all the symptoms came back, I mean like full on, and I lost it, I broke down. And I went to God and I said, God, I'm done with this. I don't know what to tell you, but you have the wrong girl. I can't, I can't continue in in this. I can't do what you've asked me to do. And God just gently said, I don't make mistakes. And I said, well, then why am I still dealing with this? You know that I'm in pain. You know that I'm struggling with this. I believe you are Yahweh Rapha. I believe that you are the God who heals and that you want your children better. Why am I dealing with this? And there was just this notion of that the pain that I was going through was not meant for me, but it was meant for someone else. And in that moment, I think I finally got just a tiny glimpse of why God went to the cross for us, is that when you go through deep pain and you sacrifice for something or someone, all of a sudden it elevates their worth sky high. Because you realize that they've actually cost you something valuable. And now, I don't know, it makes them matter so much more to Mm -hmm. you. And I think that was one of the things where, this sounds so weird, but it really taught me just how to love someone or how to care for them on a very deep level. More than just, oh, I hope you have a good day. It was just, that's when, I think from that point on, I genuinely started looking at people, asking myself, do they know God? Do they know their maker? And I had never cared, frankly, about that, even though I grew up in church. Um, I just, it wasn't a priority to me until that moment. And so, anyway, just had this really cool experience with God in that sense. The next morning, I woke up and I knew that, um, that I needed to be baptized. All of a sudden, it came out of nowhere. And it was one of those things where I was basically jumping out of my skin. I started calling like my pastor started calling people, what do I do? Get me in the water. Um, and so the next night at Life Group, I just told them what was going on. And um, they happened to have a community pool in their home. And so I was baptized that Wednesday night. Um, and it was incredible because it was just very low key and kind of spur of the moment. Um, and that's more my personality, I think, than the big show. Um just just for me personally. And so I love that 
God even chose to honor me in that way. And that was so humbling um, because here I'm the one who should be, you know, honoring him. But yet he knew that, I don't know, that that was just something that I would enjoy, the way that that all happened. And then the day after that is when I finally go and see this trauma specialist. And at this point, I was done dealing with doctors. I was like, no one has the answers. What's the point of even trying? And my mom had convinced me to go and see this lady. And I show up and I tell her about five minutes worth of my symptoms. And she gives me 15 minutes worth explaining everything that I had gone through. I mean, she knew things that I hadn't told her at all, but yet she knew I was already going through them. And she basically told me that what I had was PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, or civilian PTSD, um, which was, which is basically the most severe type of anxiety you can have. It's essentially where your mind is stuck in one moment and your body is stuck in another. And that friction is what causes the pain and the stress. Um, and that was, I think, just eye-opening, too, because I had never heard of anyone having, you know, civilian PTSD at that point. I thought it was something that I only read about in history books that mm-hmm. war vets get. Um, and it was just weird, I think, to kind of learn about all that. Also super relieving, too, to finally know what had caused all those symptoms. Um but then sobering, too, to hear, hey, there's not a cure for it. It's kind of like you just got to learn how to manage and deal with it. Um, and so anyways, though, I think looking back at that whole point in time, the number one question that I probably had was why? Why would God allow pain? But I don't think that I could see it until later on, you know, a couple of years out from that, probably like now, that God was just really... I think kind of breaking me and making me his and those are the roughest seasons but man is the reward worth it uh the following year it was just a consistent year of peace and nothing extravagant happened there wasn't anything crazy but man it was like all of a sudden I saw God in color in everything that I did every way that we went about uh he was just there with me and he was constant um in And then the following year, um, one of the things that I had always had on my bucket list but kind of threw it out the window um, going through all this stuff is that um, I knew before I turned 25 that I wanted to start a company. Um, But again, I'd kind of given up on that. Um, But then God basically kind of gave me this idea. um, And so I did start a company. It's called Breathing Letters. Um, It's in the process of being turned into a nonprofit. Um, so there's a lot of paperwork for that. <laughs> I'm slacking. Um, no, but basically what we do is this. Um, it sounds super weird, but we basically make these postcards and we send them to random homes. And what it is, it's um, just a question prompting them about God. Um, and on the back, there's a link to the website and they can go. And on the website is the gospel message. And I think growing up, I had always thought that you know, everyone close to me had kind of already been told about God, you know, what's the point in me, you know, going and sharing. But the more that I've gotten older, the more that I realize, I don't think a lot of people have ever been given the full gospel message. I think they've been heard the question, hey, can I pray for you? Um, Maybe they've heard, you know, oh, Jesus was born on Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas. 
but I'm realizing a lot of people haven't actually been told the entire gospel story. And so anyways, all of that to say this you know, business idea came out of those moments, though, of deep struggle with God. Um, and so I don't know, as, as hard as it is to have gone through those, I'm very thankful for those moments. Um, and I'm so thankful just for how God chooses to work, even if it's not at all what we picture and it's not what we want. He is working. Thank you guys for listening to all of that. And yeah, I don't know. That's kind of it. Wow, Alyssa. Thank you so much for sharing. That was so powerful. Um, It's so awesome to see how God was always there. He never left your side and he Mm -hmm. never will. But like, even since you were little, like he was always there. And it's just amazing to see how, even though you go through these trials and everything, you still get these moments where God's like, hey, I'm still here. Are you going to come back to me now? Right. <laughs> right. So often we think, oh, God's left me, but he's actually been there the whole time. And maybe it just looks different than what you're, or how you're thinking he should mm-hmm. show up. But yeah, no, that's, that's so true. He was there. Right. And you put so much trust in him too, um, through everything that you've been through. And it's honestly, it's so refreshing to hear someone being so real about their past. And I think it will help a lot of people. Yeah. It's going to make me cry now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hey, thank you guys so much for um, just taking the time to listen to this. We will have more discussions on Jesus and pancakes. Yes. Next episode. <laughs> yep. Make sure to tune in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>